Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Well, good morning. We're back again in studio with Joseph Bradley, our communications coordinator at Highland Terrace Baptist Church for this second edition of the Highland Terrace uh, podcast as we talk about communications, as we talk about the vital strength and the joy of just having a wonderful, vital relationship with the Lord. And, And also, I wanted to hear more about this sword fighting stuff. Now, I've seen some videos and some pictures. I've seen your uniforms and your swords that you use. These are not toys. These, this is the real stuff, isn't it, Joseph? It is. Um, one thing that I like to always uh, come back to when people ask about the swords, because um, some people hold them and be like, are these real? And I'm like, yeah. And um, a lot of people have watched, you know, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe from the, from the Narnia series. Yeah. And when Father Christmas is giving the sword to Peter, you know, he tells him, you know, in a very serious manner, you know, these are tools, not toys. And the weapons that we use, they are definitely not toys because while they are dull, they're not sharp. Um, they are still, you know, dangerous if, if you're not trained to use them. Um, and they're, they're tools in that you can use them in certain ways. You know, um, it's, it's kind of like for me, it's almost like a tool that God has given me for one way to share the gospel with other people because I'm part of a group down in actually in the Tyler area. Uh, we're called the Fellowship of Christian Swordsmen. Yeah. And uh, we teach classes. Well, I don't help teach anymore since I live up here. Yeah. Um, but they still teach classes um, from a Christian-based um, side of things where we gather up, uh, we pray, we go have the sword class, and then we come back for a, a, a small devotional and pray. Wow. Um, we've done a couple of plays. All the plays that we've done have a Christian side of things, you know, a spiritual uh-huh. message. Uh, we've done demonstrations. We've done a few videos. We actually have a video out there that we did a couple of years ago with like 30 of us over um, like the quote unquote final battle between Gabriel and um, and Lucifer, you oh, know, wow. the, the battle of heaven in Revelations. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into this? Um, so down in Tyler, there were part of a home. We were part of a homeschool group uh, yeah. called Tachi Tyler Area Christian Homeschool Education. It's it's, uh-huh. a, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, and we all were doing this co-op class uh, over the medieval ages, the dark ages, and we ended up having a group of people come out to do some sword fighting demonstrations for us. Wow. And um, from that, there was a few of the older uh, teenage boys. I was. I think 12 at the time. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of these older guys were like, we really, really like this. And so they told their parents, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, they, they let everyone fight, but what they did was they gave everyone, um, PVC pipes with Uh foam noodles on them. So like you, you can't get hurt unless you were really trying to hurt someone, but we, we weren't trying to do that, you know? And so this, this group of like five or six people ended up doing a sword demo for like 200 kids between the ages of like five and, and 17. Wow. And a few of them were like, we really like this. The parents ended up being able to find the phone number for two of these people, a uh, husband and wife. 
uh, Chris and Allison Chadwick and asked them, would you be willing to teach uh, sword fighting classes for our kids? The cool thing, though, about how all this came about was um, Chris and Allison, they had been trained um, to do stage combat. And then they kind of took that training and developed their own style of combat. Because most styles that you watch on theaters or something, it's a mixture of what I like to call fencing slash broadsword. It's it's you've you've got the movement of fencing, but basically the the swinging of the sword as a broadsword. Mm. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um. So they took that concept and basically did a full out broadsword style. Yeah. But it was from an unchristian perspective because they weren't saved yet. They used to do oh, things wow. like medieval times. They didn't work for medieval times, but things mm-hmm. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they ended up getting saved and nice. decided to put away the sword fighting because they felt like this isn't God honoring for us. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit later, they ended up getting a call from these homeschool mothers saying, would you teach sword fighting for us from a Christian perspective? Oh, wow. And they're like, this is a God thing because, you know, we were using something that wasn't Christ honoring. We stopped it and we're like, we'll never use this again because it's not honoring God. Yeah. They'd given all their swords, all their armor, all everything away. Oh my goodness. And then they're asked to come back and do it. And they're like, this is a God thing right here. Yeah. So they went back, was able to reacquire all their equipment. Mm-hmm. And so they've been teaching sword classes, I think for close to, um, I think 16, 17 years now. Wow. All of it from a Christian perspective. A scripture. Yeah. And, and that's how you're yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37, mm-hmm. four, he will give you the desire of your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had that desire previously, but now it got baptized. Yes. Into a uh, God honoring. Yeah. Passion. Mm-hmm. And so they were teaching it for about two, three years. And then me and my brother started doing it uh, since we had some friends doing it. Okay. Now you mentioned previously that the, uh, the sword, um, fighting techniques, the classes, the movements, uh, all of it, the, uh, armor that you wear, the different types of, uh, swords, the broadsword, the fencing and so forth. All of these have some Christian applications and some Christian, um, actually, uh, devotional, uh, metaphor. To them, can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you bring out when you teach um, uh, kids and others uh, about the Lord using a sword? Yeah. Um, so you know, one thing how the Bible it, it talks about you know how the sword is or the Word of God is you know sword of the like Spirit, sword of the, the Spirit. Of that's God. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I got tongue twisted there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we've used that a couple of times. Um, mainly what, how we've used sword fighting to help spread the gospel message is, um, through demonstrations or plays or videos. Like I had mentioned, uh-huh. we did like the revelations film, um, something that we do, like we've done every, about every two years is we'll put on a play and we've had, um, I think at one time we had 3000 people come and watch a play once. Oh wow! Um, and basically it's all said, of course, in medieval times and there's usually you know there you've got your antagonist and your protagonist there's some problem going on in the land but through this journey of a play um someone will you know learn a spiritual message like one time the land was being occupied by this one lord who basically enslaved the populace to build a stronghold around the castle and to keep these people 
walked in, basically. It's just kind and, of a picture of sin. Yes, sin having um, a stronghold in your life. The fallen nature of man. Yeah, and you see our antagonist in the play. He's yeah. trying to help these people break down the physical stronghold outside, while he's also struggling with like a, a spiritual stronghold in his life and how he learns to overcome that while overcoming the physical obstacle, uh, the physical stronghold for yeah. the people. Um, so we've done that. There's also been like, um, we did one where, um, using whatever you have, uh, that the Lord has given you to be able to, um, you know, help others and other, uh, serve, spiritual aspects. To serve along. others. Yeah. What is a stronghold, Joseph? A stronghold usually, I guess, uh, in simple terms would be anything that is withholding you from becoming closer to God, mm. um, which could technically be from anything from greed to lying to lusting, just basically any type of sin or any, um, I guess, want that you may have that withholds you from your relationship with Christ. So all sin, you would say, then, is uh, obviously detrimental. It is, yeah. But there are certain sins that sort of uh, build a nest. Yes, they can. Know, in your heart and mm-hmm. uh, and cause long-term uh, grief and trouble. Yeah, they can. Is that is that kind of what a stronghold would be? It would. Mm-hmm. And um, how does a uh, knight in shining white armor defeat a stronghold? So, a lot of times in our plays, the quote unquote white knight and or the knight in shining white armor, um, they never end up doing it by themselves. They oh. usually have someone there to help them. And in the Christian walk, you can't usually, you know, go through life yep. doing things by yourself. You gotta um, have a wingman. You gotta have a wingman. And there ain't yeah. no better wingman than God. Yeah. And so, um, there's the comparison of with, with our plays that, you know, you can be trying to defeat, you know, sin and, and anything that may be withholding you from your relationship with Christ, but yeah. you can't do it on your own. You've gotta, yeah. you, you need help. And mm-hmm. the best person to do that to get that help from is from Jesus Christ and for him to fight your battles. Awesome. Um, but also we have in our plays, we usually have a companion or two or three that helps this person out most of the time. Yeah. And so that can also be, a, that's a representation of yeah. um, just a godly community that helps you through those, those uh, difficult times in your life when you're struggling with sin. So here's a loaded question. How could we plan for the group? What's it called? Again. The Fellowship of Christian Swordsmen. Okay, the Fellowship. I want the Swordsmen to come to Highland Terrace. Okay. And I want you all to do something here. Is it a play? Is it a demonstration? Is it a class that you're going to teach? Is it some kind of an event? What What would be the best way to incorporate the Fellowship of Christian Swordsmen into our calendar for some kind of a ministry event in the future? You got any thoughts about that? Oh yeah. Um, usually something like that, we would do uh, a demonstration. So we would come out, we would yeah. bring all our gear. It wouldn't be everyone. Cause if you got everyone that was taught, I think you would have over 2000 people. Oh, show nice. us. that's how many people have been taught in the past 15, 17 years. That might be a um, little frightening if they all came with their swords at once. Yeah. You have your own miniature army. <laughs> it would be like an uprising. Uh, yeah. Um, which I guess is not a bad thing. I mean, yeah, it could be. Uh, an uprising for the Lord. Yeah, um, there you go. But, you know, we may have 10, 15 of us that would come out. Um, I would probably 
uh, help coordinate everything since I'm the one over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd bring out all our weapons, all our costumes, our armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd have like a little booth with a bunch of stuff set up, depending if we were having an event here or if you just wanted us out for like, say, next year for VBS or something like that. Yeah. And then we would demonstrate fights. Uh, we would show the kids actually how to fight. Um, granted, we won't give them steel swords. Yeah. Uh, we'd actually let them use what we call shanais, which are bamboo swords that are used in Asia for practice and okay. just any martial arts, actually. Uh-huh. Um, that's how we actually start out with. You start out with shanais. You don't get steel swords until you're steel qualified, which takes up to usually two to three years. Really? Yeah, wow. it takes a little bit of practice. Yeah. Um, there's like six or seven classes you have to go through. Um, so we would, um, yeah, we'd have the fights. Uh, we would probably, you know, maybe talk about the weapons, talk about the armor, uh, show them off, let, you know, yeah. uh, kids, adults hold the weapons and stuff. We mm-hmm. get pictures with them. Um, and through the demonstration, we could actually, you know, put in a Christ message of kind of what we do. Um, which if, if we're not doing a play, one thing that I've done in the past is if I'm explaining what the fellowship of Christian swordsmen is to them. You know, I'll throw in there that, you know, this is our name and, and this is what we do, but we do like to do this through a Christ-centered uh, way. You know, this is a good way for us to represent the gospel, to share the gospel with other people. Okay. Here's what I want to do. Two things. I want to do a big men's ministry event. Yeah. Where we have a demonstration um, and y'all can show us what a sword fight is all about. And okay. we'll have a bunch of food and we'll bring a bunch of guys out and just have a ball. Yeah, and then next year, as you said, for VBS, for camp, um, for children's ministry, student ministry, we'll okay. have another big event that day, and we'll actually let the kids uh, try their hand at sword fighting. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, hey man, if there's somebody out there listening right now who may be uh, struggling with a stronghold mm-hmm. in their life, um, what would you say to them to encourage them? Um, I would say first and foremost. Um, I would definitely find uh, a church home because there's, well, actually, first, you should definitely be praying and seeking God, you know, reading his Bible. One of the best things that my dad has always taught me and that I like to do a couple times every year is to read through Proverbs. Mm. Um, that's, you know, there's only 31 chapters and it's filled with a whole lot of stuff. I know it's it might be a little bit more difficult for maybe people who haven't read the Bible before or something. Um, if it's your first time reading the Bible or something, I would definitely start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the first four books of the Old Testament, which basically um, walks through the life of Jesus and how you can kind of get to know of who Jesus is and why he died for us and all. Interesting um, that you're recommending the sword. Mm-hmm, yeah. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah. Hey, uh, Joseph, there, ve- there may very well be uh, someone who needed to hear that today. Yeah. And I just want to ask you to pray for that person. I will. Yeah, gladly. Okay. Dear Father, I just thank you for this time that Chen and I could come together and talk a little bit uh, about swords and, more importantly, the sword of the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that uh, if someone is out there listening to this message who might be going through a spiritual stronghold in their life right now, I just pray that um, they'll be able to seek you, seek your guidance, seek some godly Christian uh, uh, people just around them to be able to get with socially that will help them with their walk with you. Um, and I pray all this in your name. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Joseph Bradley. You're welcome. What a wonderful opportunity to have you in studio to talk to us about what God, what God has going on in your life and uh, what a blessing you are to us. We just thank God for you. 
Yeah. Pray he'll continue to bless you. And by the way, that Scotch collie that you have is gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. What's his name? His name is Awen. It's not Awen from Lord of the Rings. This is Awen. <laughs> this is A I W Y N. Awen. Awen. Yeah. Cool it's name for a English. very cool dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a joy to have you. Thanks. Thank you. A, thanks a million, Joseph. Yeah. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. This person is pretty sick, but I think they're going to be all right. And sometimes we'll say, man, this doesn't look good. I think this situation may be fatal. It's, uh, it's dangerous to practice medicine without a license, but you can't help it. I'm just telling you that Lazarus was so sick that everybody knew this was a very serious situation. It looked like it might be fatal if Jesus didn't get there in a hurry. And notice what the Bible says here. Notice what the Bible says about the sovereignty of God. Notice what the Bible says about when we ask God to come and to come through for us and to do something for us. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It's not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, one of the most powerful words in that verse is the word, T-H-R-O-U-G-H, through. You see, what you're going through is not always the same as the place you're going to. We like to focus on what we're going through and we weep and we struggle and we cry and we cry out to God as if he didn't know what we're going through and we plead and we beg and we ask God to help us and by the way it's not looking good God if you could we'd like you to come quickly come right now now verses five and six are an enigma. You know what that means? That means a strange combination of words and phrases that creates more of a puzzle than it does an answer. Verse 5 already showed you, that's the verse that says, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And verse 6 says, because he loved them, he decided to stay where he was two more days. (laughs) Isn't that something? God loves you so much when you're special to him that he might just ignore your crying plea for a few days. Because God is not only concerned about what you're going through, he's concerned about the place you're going to. And the place Lazarus was going to was not healing from his disease It was an extraordinary manifestation of the power and the glory of God. That's where he was going to. Now, in order to understand that, you have to be able to pray a God-centric prayer. A God-centered prayer. A prayer that focuses on God and his ways, which are higher than our ways, and not on man and his pain and his suffering and what we're going through. 
Man-centered prayers focus on what we're going through. God-centered prayers focus on where God is taking us to. And that place God is taking us to almost always reveals a powerful manifestation of His glory. I'm going to tell you something, Highland Terrace. Can I just hit you right between the eyes right now? It is time for this church to stop thinking about what we've been going through. And I'm not saying we haven't been through a lot. We've been through a lot, but God-centered prayer at Highland Terrace Baptist Church will have more desire and more interest and more passion about focusing on the vision of where we're going to for His glory than what we've been going through. Now listen, Jesus said, the one who loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, He said, we're going to stay here a couple more days. In the place where he was. And then in verse 7. He said to his disciples. Let's go back to Judea again. Now here's an example of man-centered thinking. And man-centered reactions to the intentions of God. In the response of the disciples. To Jesus who said let's go back to Judea again. They said. Rabbi. The Jews have sought to stone you lately. This is an example of what we could call biblical police brutality. The authorities in Jerusalem were planning to do harm to Jesus. As a matter of fact, the last time he was there, they took up stones to stone him and they had the stones in their hand ready to do it. You don't think that shook up those disciples? You don't think they noticed at that protest, so to speak, that there was violence and anger and animosity in the air and people who intended to do great harm to Jesus and possibly to them as well? Lord, those people are going to stone you. You think we should go back to Judea again? As if to say, I don't think so. Now, was that man-centered or God-centered thinking? Can I tell you something, Highland Terrace? God-centered thinking is not necessarily chiefly concerned with keeping us safe all the time. I had people ask me before, is it safe to go on this mission trip that we were planning? You know, we were going over to Tajikistan a few years ago, taking a small group of people so that we could teach Christians in a... uh, in a learning center for pastors and church leaders, an extension school to encourage them in their faith as God was doing a mighty work in Central Asia. And some people want to ask me, is it safe? Is it safe to go? Let me tell you something. I can't always promise you that what God leads us to do is going to look safe from an earthly level, from a man-centric level. But here's what Jesus said. I want you to notice this. Jesus said in verse 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? This is a reference back to chapter 9, verse 4, if you'll remember. Jesus said, the night cometh when no man can work. That is to say, there's a limited amount of time in your life for you to become a radical sold out follower of Jesus. And that time is ticking away right now. 
And if you're going to get serious about becoming that, fill in your name. You better go ahead and get started. Because it's soon going to be night when no man can work. And you're going to find at the end of your life that you may have wasted your life when you could have spent your life serving God and building up treasures in heaven. What are you waiting for? And then Jesus said this. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles. You'll notice that it was Thomas, as we'll see next week, who, in verse 16, said, All right, if he's determined to go, let's just go with him and we'll just die with him. You know, that was the same guy that had trouble believing in the resurrection of Jesus and said, you know, if I, if I can't see his hands and his feet, I'm not going to believe that he's truly risen from the dead. What is it that causes sometimes our vision to be limited in that way? And we can't see what God is up to. We can't understand what God is doing. We can't get on board with God's agenda because we're all focused on man-centered things, man-centered prayers, and man-centered concerns. And we really can't see what God is doing. Why did Thomas doubt? Why was his vision dull? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Jesus is right about this, as of course he is about everything. Look at verse 10. If one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, I don't know what's in your habits. I don't know what's in your refrigerator. I don't know what's on your iPhone. I don't know the language of your vocabulary. I don't know what's on your laptop and on your iPad. I don't know what's in your thoughts and in your desires. But I can tell you this. If there is darkness in all of these places, it should be no wonder to you that it kills the vision of what God is trying to do in your life. And it makes it hard to see. Nothing kills vision like sin. It causes us to stumble. And we just simply can't see what God is doing. We're going to pick up on that in verse 11 next week. Let me, let me assure you of this. Go back with me to verse 12 of chapter 8. And let's end this day on a very bright note. John eight twelve, where Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Would you bow with me in prayer right now? Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that you've given us light for the soul, light for the human heart, light, Lord, to live by and to walk by when we can't fully comprehend all that it means to know you and to serve you and love you. Thank you, Lord, that you turn on the light and you make it possible for us to live in a kind of peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. 
Lord, we want that light and we want that peace today. And we know what it requires. We're going to have to turn away from our sin. And we're going to have to confess that darkness that we've been walking in and letting in to our iPhones and our vocabulary and our thoughts and our actions and activities. No small wonder, Lord, that we can't really get a grip on what you're trying to do in our lives if we haven't confessed. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can leave behind this world of darkness and deception. This world that promised us so much and never did a thing for us. But bring confusion and pain and hurt. And anger and division. Conflict. That's what the world gave us, Lord. Because of the stumbling of the darkness because of the sin that was in our lives. We just want to repudiate that today with all that's within us. And we want to become that, fill in the blank with our names. That person who loves you so much, we're willing to say goodbye to the fancies of this world and hello to the goodness of God. And we invite you today, Lord Jesus, to take control of our lives, of our church, of our families, and of our future. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 